this time, Lawrence Gregory will come with our sermon, The First Day of Unleavened Bread. The New Testament Church of God grew rapidly from 31 to 41 AD. Then uh, at that time, mostly of Jewish and a few Gentile converts. After Peter's vision in, uh, 50, in 41 AD to 51 AD, and about uh, up to 100 AD, the uh, church grew throughout the Middle East, Asia, East Asia, Europe, and Africa. And within that 60 years from 41 AD to 100 AD, the uh, growth of the church created several problems that was very evident to the church leaders. The first problem was in keeping the doctrines true from the influence of pagan heathens that came into the church and Judaistic practices that were at that time beginning to spread into the church of God. The second problem was uh, keeping the converts from apostatizing, that is, going back or going away or falling away to the life that they left. The need for so much edification, exhortation, encouragement, warning, to hold fast, to overcome, to endure, is very much evident by the many verses of scripture that we see in the New Testament. This is also true of the observance of the biblical holy days. Now, I personally have kept these days for over 55 years. There's some here that have uh, observed them and kept them longer. And as a minister for 35 years of Jesus Christ, preaching on these holy days uh, throughout those many years, and I know that there are some here that maybe, or uh, that are listening in, tuning in, that might be a minister of Jesus Christ longer than that. And so we know that uh, this is something that uh, is going on in the church. And I cannot say, because, you know, I've been keeping these 55 years, that's enough. I've, I've done enough. I've uh, kept them long enough. Now I need to just uh, kind of uh, let them slip by, and I don't need to keep them because I've been keeping them for 55 years. Well, let's see the answer to that and a few other things. There are a lot of uh, key elements to the first day of unleavened bread, but we'll touch on a few of those today. But I want to begin back in the Old Testament, back in uh, Exodus, the uh, 12th chapter, and I'll read a few verses here with us uh, from verse 5, Exodus 12, verse 5 through uh, 15, pardon me, verse 15 through verse 20. Seven days shall you eat unleavened bread, even the first day you shall put away leaven out of your houses. For whosoever eateth leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that soul shall be cut off from Israel. And in the first day there shall be a holy convocation. And in the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation to you. No manner of work shall be done in them, save that which every man must eat, that only may be done of you. And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day 
have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore shall ye observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month, at even, you shall eat unleavened bread until the one and twentieth day of the month at even. So that's at the beginning of the, four, of the 15th to the end of the 21st. Those uh, beginning and ending of those seven days. Seven days shall there be no leaven found in your houses. For whosoever eateth that which is leavened, even that soul shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he be a stranger or born in the land, you shall eat nothing leavened in all your habitations shall you eat unleavened bread. Now we want to notice several things here is that uh, these are holy commanded assemblies, the first day and the seventh day, that is a holy convocation commanded to assemble before God. We're not going to go into those different uh, words in Leviticus the 23rd chapter. I've done that before. But notice we're to keep these in our generations. And uh, we are to keep them later, we'll see, forever. We are to Remember that whether we're strangers, aliens, whether we're citizens of the United States. Now, I know that it's beginning to be a custom of uh, foreign immigrants that come. They like America, they like the freedoms, they like what we have to offer, but then they want to come and bring their practices and their flag and their way of life. And uh, so when a person comes to Israel, they become a part of that Israel nation. And they're to follow that custom as God has laid down here forever from uh, throughout their generations. Now in Exodus 13th chapter, let's go to uh, verse 3, Exodus 13, verse 3. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which you came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand the Lord brought you out from this place. There shall be no leavened bread be eaten. And so here we remember that uh, we are to keep this and to observe this in the day that God says and in the time that he says. And that we're to remember that. Now, we know that these days are called a memorial. And I'd like to read from the uh, dictionary the uh, brief description of a memorial. We're all familiar with this. It says, anything designed to preserve the memory of an event or a person as a monument or practice. And we know throughout uh, the world we have monuments erected to remember certain events that took place. And when we go to the cemetery, we look at a marker and we begin to remember that person and think about that person. And so that memorial there is a reminder of that person that we knew or that event that we experienced or others experienced that was uh, very important. And so we take that into our consideration on the individual physical plane. And so God is telling us here, also look in Deuteronomy the 16th chapter, we'll go to, uh, we're staying in the Old Testament here, introductory, Deuteronomy 16 and uh, verse three. You shall eat no leavened bread. With it seven days shall you eat unleavened bread. Therefore, even the bread of affliction, for you came forth 
out of the land of Egypt in haste, that you may remember the day when you came forth out of the land of Egypt all the days of your life. So, we don't just keep these temporarily, occasionally, but we remember our exodus from Egypt. That's a type of sin. We remember leaving sin, and we keep these forever. Forever. Now, in the flesh, as citizens of Israel, these are statutes that we are to observe forever. So if we call ourselves Israelite, now we'll look at the New Testament later, uh, then we have an obligation to observe these days as a remember, as a reminder of something. Now, in the future, when we're sons of God and in the spirit realm, billions from years from now, I don't know what arrangement God is going to make with us uh, as his sons and daughters and the spirit uh, when these uh, times come around, because we won't have the physical, uh, after a time, we won't have the physical sun and moon uh, and stars and the earth to uh, remind us of these things. But uh, that I'm going to leave for now, leave it up to him. But while we're in the flesh, this is what I want us to get out of this. Whether we're citizens, natural-born Israelites, or aliens that have become a part of this nation, we have an obligation to keep these days and to remember them all the days of our life forever. Now let's go to Leviticus, the 23rd chapter. Uh, I won't go into all of those verses there, but there's a few that I want to uh, focus on. Here in Leviticus, uh, the third. 23rd chapter, verse uh, 14, you shall eat, he's talking about the wave sheaf uh, period of time and the unleavened bread in the spring, and you shall eat neither bread nor parched corn nor green ears until the selfsame day that you have brought an offering unto your God. It shall be a statute forever throughout your generations in all your dwellings. And in some of the other holy days here in verse uh, 21, and you shall proclaim on the selfsame day that it may be a holy convocation unto you. You shall do no servile work therein. It shall be a statute forever in all your dwellings throughout your generations. And in verse 41, and you shall keep, this is Feast of Tabernacle, it a feast unto the Lord seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. That's a piece of tabernacle. So the round of the holy days beginning in the spring with Passover, and we know the cycle that goes through the year, then it repeats. We're reminded, we're told in the scriptures, these are statutes, these are written laws that we're to keep. The law says a certain thing. You know, like uh, we're familiar with it. The law says 65 miles an hour. You know, if you go 70 or 80, you can get a ticket for speeding. If you go too slow, you can get a ticket for going slow and bottling up traffic. So the speed limit is set and laws of stop signs. And we, we know there are many, many laws, our constitution, our uh, direction of our nation, uh, laws that uh, direct us and through the states. So the statute is a law of God that we're to keep this forever, these holy days forever. Now, in uh, Exodus, back to Exodus, the 12th chapter. I'm going to go back up to a little bit. Uh, Exodus 12 and uh, verse 17. I mentioned this in passing earlier, but I want to read it. Exodus 12, 
17, And you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread, for in this selfsame day have I brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day in your generations by an ordinance forever. And here it's told us that it's an ordinance forever. We are to keep and we are to observe uh, these days. Now, uh, I want to read here uh, in um, the... Well, first, let me, uh, before I go to a couple of other yeah, some New Testament scriptures here, let's go to the New Testament in 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. We're so familiar with that. Now, a lot of this is uh, speaking to the choir. We've been observing these for many years, and we review this, as we're told, from uh, year to year, from time to time. We proclaim these. We're to teach them. We're to preach them. Even though we're familiar with uh, what is uh, laid out here in the scriptures for us. And uh, I want to go to 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. If I can get uh, to 1 Corinthians out of Acts. 1 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. You're already there on the board. Your glorying is not good. Know ye not that a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump? Purge out, therefore, the old leaven, that you may be a new lump, as you are unleavened. For even Christ our Passover is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And in Romans, the... Uh, Sixth chapter. Verse 3 and 4. Know ye not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. And life, that is, newness of life. We're not dead in this world, but we're alive in Christ. Now, I uh, used uh, Dake's Bible, and I looked up the word life, and I saw 438 references to life. And there's a lot of, uh, a lot of messages there. I'm just going to take an opportunity to read a number of the phrases that leaped out at me, uh, leaped out at me, and uh, majority of these verses are positive. Uh, there's three that are kind of negative, but I'll cover the, the positive ones first and just remind us of this. We have breath of life, the tree of life, long life, everlasting life, fountain of life, the well of life, crown of life, grace of life, the word of life, the book of life, the spirit of life, the river of life, the time of life, the year of life, the paths of life, the way of life, wellspring of life, the day of life, statutes of life, man's life, child's life, your life, father's life, the son has life, the resurrection of life, the bread of life, 
Jesus Christ our life, newness of life, peace of life, promise of life, water of life, his life, my life, thy life, their life, her life, child's life. Now, some of the negative, I could go on. There are more. I probably left out a few here, but we see the cares of this life. We see reference in the scriptures about the pride of life. And we have another one that we uh, are concerned about in the negative. The, the cares of this life can either be good or can be uh, negative, depending on how we uh, refer to that and the things of life. But generally, Jesus talked about the cares of life in a negative way of, refil- of referring to this world and the things that we get caught up in and are blinded to the uh, good way of life. Matthew 16th chapter, verse 5 through verse 12. And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. And they reasoned among themselves, saying, Well, it's because we didn't take any bread. Which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason you among yourselves, because you have brought no bread? Do not ye yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand, or how many loaves you took up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many loaves you took up? How many baskets you took up? How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. That's a great lesson for us here, that we don't get caught up and just remembering that these are days of unleavened bread and reading our labels and signifying doing without bread for seven days and eating the matzos and rye crisp and, and what we can do, unleavened uh, cottage cheese pancakes or whatever we have uh, uh, during these uh, seven days. We don't get caught up in that remembering, but what we do, what we want to remember is that out in the world, outside of the church, hopefully, there's wickedness and evil and sin that we've got to avoid and we've got to put that off and we've got to be careful about the teaching of the world and how that is so susceptible to come into the church. So we reject, just like uh, tomorrow is uh, that old word, Easter Sunday. And you probably have had a lot of uh, wishes of have a happy Easter and all the ads and all the things that are going on and the children are all excited about looking for their colored Easter eggs instead of going out looking for the manna. You know, the children are caught up with the Easter parade and the Easter bunny and the, and the little tricks they're going to get and the candy and all of the things that are related to Easter. We've got to keep that out of the church. We don't bring that into the church of God. That's why I said, you know, I'm reviewing these things. We're talking to the choir. We've gone over these for many years, some of us for many, many years. And we want to uh, make sure that uh, we are uh, 
being cautious and be aware that we don't let those false teachings and doctrines come into in the midst of our congregation and in the church of God. Acts, the 12th chapter. Acts 12, verse 3. And because he saw it pleased the Jews, well, this is when James was killed, uh, murdered by Herod, a uh, time there in the uh, early uh, history of the church. He proceeded further to take Peter also. Then were the days of unleavened bread. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in prison and delivered him to four quaternions of soldiers to keep him, intending after Easter to bring him forth to the people. Now, I know this, people say, well, oh, there's Easter in the Bible, so that's okay. But we understand that Greek word is translated in the Greek and in many other Bibles, Passover. So we know that we say, well, after Christmas time or after Easter time, and people use that phrase in re reference to the time, but we want to know the truth of that, and the reference is here, the Greek word to Passover. Now let me read here a, uh, from Authority of Vines, and you can uh, check this out in Strong's and other translations, but just let me read uh, a few things here in uh, vines concerning uh, the uh, word here, Pasha, the Greek spelling of the Aramaic word for the Passover from the Hebrew Pesach or Pesach, to pass over, to spare a feast instituted by God in commemoration of the deliverance of Israel from Egypt and anticipatory of the expiatory sacrifice of Christ. The word signifies the Passover feast, and he goes on with a number of references, and then uh, go back to the uh, Greek word here that he makes comment on the word Easter. Easter is Pasha, mistranslated Easter in Acts 12, verse 4. Uh, the phrase, after the Passover, signifies after the whole festival was at an end. The term Easter is not of Christian origin. It is another form of Astarte, one of the titles of the Chaldean goddess, the Queen of Heaven. And so that will help us understand the Greek word was mistranslated in our English Bibles as Easter, and it should have been Passover. So uh, we understand that, and uh, we uh, are benefited by the true understanding of that translation. In Acts, the 20th chapter... Here's another reference, Acts 20, verse 6. And this is a time when Paul was traveling and uh, preaching in about uh, 60 A.D. And uh, he was uh, determined to go from uh, Macedonia uh, down through Troas in western Turkey and then on down to Israel. But in verse uh, 6, and we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread and came unto them to Troas in five days, where we abode seven days. And upon the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break 
bread, Paul preached unto them, ready to depart on the morrow, and continued his speech until midnight. Now, this was not a Sunday service. Because he didn't go there at uh, Sunday morning and start preaching until way at midnight. But this was the first day of the week. Begin Saturday evening. Saturday night, they gathered to have a meal, to, to meet, to eat with the brethren. And Paul preached on them till midnight. Because he was going to go the next day, Sunday. Because it wasn't a holy day. He was going to walk and, and uh, make his uh, trek on afterward. So we know, we understand that. But uh, the point is that we understand that Paul was in referencing here and the Holy Spirit caused to be written that they were recognizing the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And they were uh, observing it and keeping it because he waited till after the Feast of Unleavened Bread and then began his uh, journey on. Now, in John the sixth chapter, Verse 48 through 58, a number of long passages that I want to read here. John 6, 48, Jesus said, and he had said this earlier, but he's repeating here the second time in this chapter, I am the bread of life. I am that bread of life. Your fathers did eat manna in the wilderness and are dead. Now, I know associated with unleavened bread and uh, the exodus and the wilderness wanderings and crossing the River Jordan and leaving the Red Sea on the seventh day, crossing the Red Sea, and then going into the uh, 40 years later into the Promised Land or across the River Jordan. There are so many messages and so many uh, points that we bring into our focus at this time of year, but I'm going to leave those aside here and just continue on with what Jesus is saying. This is the bread which cometh down from heaven, that a man may eat thereof and not die. I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give, my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. And the Jews therefore strove among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man, and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whosoever eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, has eternal life. And I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh, and drinketh my blood, dwelleth in him, dwelleth in me, and I in him. As the living Father has sent me, and as I live by the Father, so he that eateth me, even he shall live by him, by me. Pardon me. I've got so much overwriting on my Bible, my notes here, uh, that I probably ought to read it off the board there, but uh, trying to read from some of my uh, colorings and my right mouth, like my wife said, how do you read all that? Uh, well, uh, very difficult sometimes. <laughs> this is... That bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers did eat manna, and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. 
So, we take the Passover, unleavened bread, and the Passover wine as emblems and, and symbols. We've done that here now, uh, Thursday evening. We kept the Passover. So, we've taken his bread and his blood, his life, his flesh into us. And so, God's Holy Spirit, because we have repented, we've been baptized, we believe, we're walking in obedience with Him, we're overcoming, we're growing. God has given us His Holy Spirit. He has given us eternal life is in us. Now, there's a risk and there's a challenge, and so that's why we have to endure to the end. We have to grow, we have to overcome to make sure that that eternal life continues on, that it doesn't end in uh, death or eternal death. Now, let's uh, look at a few things from um, history. And I'm going to uh, read here, it's been a number of years from uh, Jay and Andrew's History of the Sabbath with Conradi. And in the 1800s, he did a lot of research in the Vatican Library. And uh, uh, basically, this book here is a history of the Sabbath. But there's some interesting things here that I want to uh, read and call our attention to that he just passed over in writing. Uh, but he's talking here uh, in... Uh, page uh, 446, uh, let me see, we'll go back to 439 first. Uh, the early Christians followed the example and the instruction of the divine master is thus attested to by a noted first day historian, Dr. Uh, Zahn. They kept up the observance of the early Jewish festivals. Notice this. They kept up the practice of the early Jewish festivals. There can be no doubt, although it is not just explicitly stated that they observed the Sabbath in the most conscientious manner, otherwise they would have been stoned. And so, uh, let's see here. A couple of, I have several references marked here. Uh, while the Jewish Christians of Palestine retained the entire Mosaic law and consequently the Jewish festivals, the Gentile Christians observed also the Sabbath and the Passover. And um, I've got four references here. Those few in North Africa who stood in prayer on the Sabbath were Christian observers of the Sabbath. As Neander states clearly, it was through the influence of the Christian Sabbath keepers that the custom became general in the Eastern Church and uh, distinguished this day as well as Sunday by the exclusion of fasts and by the standing position in prayer. On all Sabbaths, Lord's Day, and festivals of the Lord, they are to stand in prayer. And then uh, that's just some, some of their ideas and their customs that uh, they have uh, brought into existence. Uh, let's see. I think that's enough. I've got a number of other uh, references marked there. But uh, what I wanted to notice was from uh, a Sabbath historian Conradi and uh, Jane Andrews in the 1800s that they acknowledged 
that the early church was keeping the festivals, the festivals of God, unleavened bread, along with the Sabbath. Later, Sunday, you know, the transition, we talked about that, you've studied about that, how through the Catholic influence and other nominal Christian influence, Sunday came into the church and other holidays that they begin to call feast days, and the holy days of God were shuffled off to the back, and the Sabbath was changed, and uh, then we see in modern, the masses of modern Christianity today, the emphasis on a lot of holidays and Sunday, and the neglect of the Sabbath, and the neglect of the holy days of God. Now, I want us to consider a few things here without uh, going into all of these points. I want us to remember the relationship of the Passover to the days of unleavened bread and the night to be much observed and the significance of the ending of the 13th, the beginning of the 14th. Now I know the Jews are keeping Passover today on the 15th. We can say there's 29, 29 days and 12 hours in a month. And the uh, spring days start in the spring of the year, just like now. And so the end of the 13th, the beginning of the 14th is, eight times in the Bible, the Passover is identified as starting on the 14th. Now don't let anyone tell you, brethren, that the Passover is on the 15th. Because that's a very common, a very popular teaching, and many are keeping the Passover, and the Jews are doing it incorrect. Because they've rejected God and Jesus Christ, and, and they don't count correct. I know Herbert Armstrong, you know, for years and years and years, kept, and some of us old-timers, kept Pentecost on Monday. Remember that? Then we realized, whoa, we counted that wrong. It's on Sunday. It's from seven Sabbaths. You count 50 days, and you'll come up from Saturday to Sunday, 50 days, or seven weeks, as we explained, as David explained in the uh, first message there. Seven weeks, and you'll come up to a Sunday Pentecost. We want to remember that this is a holy convocation, that it is a statute forever, that all citizens of the Israel countries, wherever they are around this world, are to observe these days. Not their own days, not their pagan days, not their corrupt days, not in the way they think, but these days. It's incumbent upon them by statute and by ordinance forever to Israel to keep them. Now, we're in the church of God, but we're also Israel. We're also an Israelite nation. So we have a double incumbent to keep these as Christians and as Israel. The time of the first fruits, an offering to God, coming out of Egypt, coming out of sin, obeying God. The correct time and place, the correct time and place that we are to observe. Now, we are not puffed up. Leavening puffs up. So this is the days of unleavened bread, so we're unpuffed. That means we don't have vanity, ego, arrogance, pride. But we have sincerity and humility and meekness and lowliness. And these things that are in our nature unleavened that the Bible uh, says is commendable in God's sight. The unleavened bread of sincerity and truth, honesty, goodness. And it is non-spreading. I know you put leavening 
you know, we uh, women and cooks and men who cook, you know, you put a little leavening in the lump and you knead it around and it spreads throughout it. And that's the way evil, that's the way sin, that's the way malice, that's the way uh, the negative influence of leaven it is. It spreads. And so we're not to have that spreading influence in our life. These days are memorials. We are to be reminded every time they come around in the time of the calendar, calculations that God says, count this, number this, this is the way. Either uh, in the spring, we have uh, three holy days. We have uh, the first day and the seventh day of unleavened bread. And we have Pentecost that occurs in the spring, although we count it kind of as a, as a summer holy day. And yet it's in the springtime. And then we have four days in the fall. We have uh, trumpets, atonement, and the two days of the Feast of Tabernacles. So we have three and four. We have seven, a complete round of holy days throughout the year, beginning with Passover. Passover day itself is not a holy day, but it's connected to the days of unleavened bread. And so... Uh, we keep this full round of holy days throughout the year from one to seven. Also, we're told in the scriptures, brother, remember, we're not to do any servile work. That means we're not to do any work. We're not to go to our job. We're to tell our boss, I can't come in today. You know, it's Tuesday or Wednesday or Thursday. It happens to be today is a Sabbath. And so, uh, but next week is Friday and that's going to be Friday and Saturday. So the seventh day of unleavened bread person's going to have to tell our boss, I can't come in today, Friday, from Thursday night to Friday, um, and uh, going to have to explain that and handle it. Well, that's tough. You can't work today. What are you going to do? Go to work? Quit? Get fired? Draw unemployment? Find a better job? Well, most of us, faith in God, we're going to take what comes to us, not work on Friday, go to that next job. Whatever, whatever comes up, because God says next Friday, seventh day of unleavened bread, is a holy day. So we're not to do any servile work on it. We're to rest. We're to consider them as a Sabbath. Now, Jesus was without sin. We're to be like him. Remember this, he had no sin. And I've mentioned this before. If Jesus had a little bit of sin, he maybe would have been able to die for himself and atone for himself. But from the time he came from the Father as a little infant and grew up to manhood and died on that stake for you, you and I, he had no sin. So his one life as God who gave his life for us is worth billions of lives. And I know there's a lot of discussion now, well, is, what's the value of one uh, American, uh, you know, the Israelis, they turned one man loose for a thousand. I mean, they turned a thousand people loose for one soldier. And we have a lot of discussion about whether we, we should have given five terrorists for one traitorous American student. Uh, that's another topic and another subject. But what is the value of an individual for eternity in salvation for God? Jesus Christ died for everyone, every one of us, everyone unnamed, for many millions and billions that haven't uh, uh, followed through with uh, his uh, calling yet, but will one day be in his kingdom and will accept that call. Now, in closing, 
I have uh, a few things that I've written down that I want to uh, share with us today just uh, from our writings. I think uh, we have uh, maybe uh, one more scripture that I, that I want to, uh, no, I, I think I read that last scripture already in John. But um, the holy days are expressed, as I said, uh, two times in the year, in the spring and in the fall. And Pentecost, even though it's not in summer, it's still in spring. We still consider it as three seasons or three times in the year when we come before God. Uh, those days, counting the two holy days in the spring, Pentecost, and then the four in the fall comprise seven days. Three plus four, seven. And we know that puts God's divine number of seven on those holy days. Passover shows us the beginning of salvation. It reminds us of Jesus Christ. And then we progress through the year. And a good way to explain and to understand the process of salvation is through the holy days. We can't do that through the holidays. Now, nationally, as an American, we might uh, have respect and honor uh, the memorial of uh, Memorial Day or the Fourth of July or Thanksgiving. Those have some national significance to us. A lot of the other holidays that are from a religious or origin, uh, we discount, and they don't mean anything to us, and they don't mean anything to anybody else except to have a happy time and get together and shop or, or spend money or have a, have a nice time with the family. So a lot of those holidays have some to the world meaning as they participate, but not to us. Uh, we follow, we observe the days that the Father and Jesus Christ have honored and respected and have told us to. And uh, so we today honor, obey, love. Uh, we uh, walk in those days that he's revealed to us. And we thank him for revealing that information to us. So let us cling to Christ, the holy days, be in the church of God. Now we know that some come to the church of God for a while. Then they drift away. Don't follow their example. This is cautionary, brethren. I've seen over the many years. Some may come into the church of God bringing their false teaching, opposing the holy days. Don't follow them. You know, the, the church of God is like a magnet for people who are looking for a captive audience. They can bring their false teachings and false doctrines and false way. We've got to be careful. and We've got to be on guard, brethren. And we've got to beware and don't listen to them and don't follow them. Now, some outside the church attack. They put barriers in our way. They speak against the holy days. They try to trip us up, to draw us away, to lead us to give up these days that we have uh, decided that we're going to follow in obedience to God. Don't follow their ways. Don't listen to them. Just ignore them. Follow Christ. Follow him. He's told us to follow him. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. And so Jesus Christ in John, the seventh chapter, has told us several times to follow him. And so that's what we're doing here. We have just touched on briefly a few of the related topics and meanings and the significance of this very important beginning holy day, the first day of unleavened bread.